Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi. I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. Today on the American Glutton Podcast, we welcome Ilaria Baldwin. Ilaria is the co-host of the podcast Mom Brain with Daphne Oz. She's a People Magazine contributor, Today Show contributor, a mother of four with a fifth child on the way, and she is an all-around badass. Her book, The Living Clearly Method, Five Principles for a Fit Body, Healthy Mind, and Joyful Life, is really, really cool and offers a lot of great tips on attaining those goals. I hope you enjoy my talk with Ilaria Baldwin. Ilaria, welcome to American Glutton Podcast, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us Oh today. my gosh, of course. Thanks for having me. I have four daughters, and they're all obsessed oh with you. <laughs> what? Obsessed. <laughs> I How mean, old like, are they? The, well, the oldest are in college, and they are 23 and 21, and I would say they are the most obsessed because they're, they're the ones who like are interested fitness. in fitness. Got it. And then the younger ones are 15 and 13. Well, well, maybe I get them present being like, you know, Justin Bieber's aunt. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. Maybe that's Something what they're like interested that. in. <laughs> that's what it is. So I wanted to hear your, I have lost a lot of weight and, and I find that I can have glimpses of body dysmorphia just based on the my day-to-day -day looking in a mirror. On one day, I feel super good about how I look. And then the next day, having not gained or lost weight, I can feel like I've done nothing at all. And I, wa I wanted to kind of talk to you about that because, I mean, I want to know what your physical goals are and how you combat anything, any voices in your head telling you you're not you're not maintaining them or achieving them? Well, I mean, it's a great, it's a great question. So I struggled with an eating disorder for a lot of my life. I think I started dieting at like age five. 
Okay. And I got over everything. I was anorexic and bulimic through different periods of my time. I got over it when I was about 25. Um, and it required a lot of work. And then I was, you know, a very, very, very skinny person, you know, going down to probably about 92 pounds was probably my, my lightest. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm about five, three. So it's, that was pretty small. And I, and I had that in my head of, Hey, I'm no matter what I look in the mirror, but you know, I, I had to get to a place of finding reality and also loving myself through periods where I didn't feel great. Kind of realizing what the mental, you know, the mentality was about. And a lot of times how, when we look in the mirror and what we see is not real. Right. Now that might have to do with weight. It might have to do with with people wanting to physically change their appearance through um, some kinds of surgeries or Botox or or whatever whatever it is. And you know, I mean, to to each his or her own. Whether you're thinking about exercising more, exercising less, eating more, eating less, doing something to yourself, changing the way that you look, your hair, whatever it is, but really understanding where it comes from and trying to find a place of really loving yourself deep from within. And it ultimately came down when I was capable of getting over my eating disorder and whether that, and I working with people, this is whether you eat too much or eat too little, but any kind of bad relationship with food and with yourself is when am I hungry? When am I full? What should I eat? And how much of it should I eat? Yeah. I, I read every single book. I used to go to the self-help section all the time and cry and take these books out and read them and being like, okay, maybe this or this diet, I'm going to try this, or I'm going to try and chew with bites for 50 times, which is disgusting, by the way, if anyone has ever tried it, <laughs> it was horrible. But I literally tried absolutely everything. And eventually I just realized that I wasn't listening to my body and I, and I didn't understand the purpose of food. And the purpose of food is to nourish yourself and it tastes good and it's supposed to taste good because we're supposed to want to eat to be able to survive. And it should be a pleasure, but it shouldn't be an overindulgence where we're just thinking about the mouth sense and not about the body sense. Yeah. And once I started, I somehow I just connected that sensory, that ability after, you know, tons of therapy and tons of thinking and tons of tears and tons of hurting myself in many different ways. And eventually it just clicked. You know, it's that Malcolm Gladwell, like things just change in a moment, the tipping point of like you do all that work up to the change and then you find that change. And then it's just a new way of, of learning to live. Is it easy? No, but it starts to make sense, you know? Um, and so, you know, going back to your original, your original question of like, how do you have days where, you know, you're up and down and up and down? I mean, right now I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. I'm, you know, halfway through. I'm about five months pregnant. And I, um, and obviously my body's changing and I'm, we're in quarantine and we can't go out and, you know, right now I can't run period, um, because I'm right, because I'm just pregnant, but you know, I can't go to my exercise classes and I can't go for long walks because I'm avoiding people. You know what I mean? All of these things that I typically would do to stay feeling good, I it's very, very, very difficult. And I'm homeschooling, you know, three of my four kids. My other one, my tiniest one is one and he doesn't go to school yet. But I mean, it's just insane the amount of sitting around. And so I do feel, you know, like you're saying, like sometimes you're just like, oh my God, my body just doesn't feel good. So what I do is I understand that this is now. And then I realize that even if I'm tired, even if I feel unmotivated, I'm never going to be sad that I showed up to work out. 
So I put my kids to bed. I have dinner with my husband. And then I go up into my bathroom and I lock my door and I turn on some exercise program that I feel like doing. And I do that. And sometimes like last night, I started at 9.30 PM and I am an early to bed person. So it felt very late for me, but I, I felt so good afterwards. And then I'll do like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of yoga, my own yoga for myself. And I, I finish with like some deep breathing. So I really come to a peaceful state. And then I sleep pretty well as long as nobody wakes up in the middle of the night because, you know, I had a bad dream or something like that. But, you know, I mean, I think a lot of it is just kind of that going back to that connection of my, what is it to eat? It's not just in the, in the mouth. It's how it feels in your body and it's how you feel energetically afterwards and the day after. It's how the impression of the food makes on your body. Is it making you stronger? Is it making you weaker? And then also with exercise as well, even if I'm tired and I don't want to do it, I know that I'm going to be happy if I do it. Sometimes it is about just getting your butt up and making it happen. I, I, I think what, something about what you're saying is so important and it resonates so much with me because for a huge period of my life, I really did use food as a source of entertainment and a very base source of entertainment, not, not you know, intellectual entertainment or nothing stimulating in that way, but just very much uh, w- what does it make me feel in this moment and, and the rest of it be damned. Like however I feel afterwards doesn't matter or tomorrow doesn't matter. It's just right now. How do I feel? And so I, too, have worked to get out of that. But I'm wondering, I love the idea that it just clicked. And I've, I talk a lot about, like, having to actively create habits and create good habits and how much effort there it requires before it becomes a habit. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering, when you're talking about all the work and therapy and thought that goes into it, it's also a lot of effort, no? It is a lot of effort. I mean, anybody who's looking for, like, that quick fix diet, like, it's not, it, it, it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. But the really good news is that the answer ends up being extraordinarily simple. So you can try measuring this and doing this and trying to control this and you know, having these be the certain rules and you can go around and drive yourself crazy with all the rules. But ultimately, if I took you and I locked you in a room, which I think we can all really relate to right now, and, you know, I gave you some exercise equipment and I I put food underneath the door and I was like, I forced you to do the exercise somehow. And I only fed you what you were, you know, what I decided that you were going to eat, good food, healthy, your body would have a certain physical reaction. Now, if we did the opposite and I locked you in a room and I just, you know, shoved a bunch of donuts under the door, your body would have a certain physical reaction. And so ultimately, the answer is really, really simple, but it's not easy because exactly what you were saying, it's all about habit. We are creatures of habit and we can create good habit through hard, you know, hard work of having to change the way that we are because a lot of us are not raised with good eating habits and food is addictive and it is does take effort to go out for a run or to go to a spin class or, or whatever exercise that you choose. It is physically difficult. And ultimately, we don't want to do them. We have all these things that are enticing us all the time, you know, TV and different things that we're, you know, social media and we want to sit down and want to sit down and have a meal with somebody. And that, that ends up feeding our soul in a different way. And that's not bad either. Just doing it a little bit less, you know, or a lot of less for some people, you know, and, but it's the good news is once you really do that hard work, and I think it takes about two to three weeks to really make that habit. Once you do that, it ends up feeling so good that you just want to live your life that way. And you see why also feeling good ends up being addictive too. 
in a good way. I mean, you don't want to overdo it, obviously, as there. I am a perfect example of somebody who exercised too much and ate too little. But it's the same, it's the same uh, issue, whether you do it too much or too little. Mentally, it's the same kind of issue. I, I very much strongly believe that. Yeah, and, and it is possible to trade habits in extremes. And if you just go from either extreme not eating or extreme eating in the opposite direction and make it too extreme. Right. Like basically we're looking for something that is sustainable long-term. Right. Right. And if you don't fix the source of why you do it, you know, why is it that I, that I want to eat too much or why is it that I won't let myself eat enough? And if you don't go to that source, you don't actually ever completely change the problem. You're just treading water. And it ends up being so difficult that eventually you're going to go underneath that water again. And so it's about really finding a place and swimming to the shallow end where you can put your feet down and be able to find calmness and be like, hey, you know what? I got this. You know, and speaking as somebody who I think I'm 100% recovered from this, it feels so great. And, you know, I mean, you talked about going out to dinner. I mean, I, before meeting my husband, I never went out to dinner so much because it's expensive. Right. And my husband loves to go out to dinner. And like pre pre quarantine life, we go out to dinner most nights out of the week. There's always an event. You know, we're New Yorkers. There's always an event. There's always a thing. There's always that. We put the kids to bed. They, you know, we feed them everything. And then he wants to go downstairs to one of the restaurants and go and have that experience. Now, for me as a health person, that's extremely unhealthy. Not only are you eating really late, but you're going to a restaurant where it should be a special experience and you're going to want to eat things that you shouldn't be having every single day. And so I learned within that to be able to order responsibly, to look at the plate and say, I don't need to finish all of this, you know, um, take it home and have it tomorrow for lunch. You know, many, many different, many different things, many different things where you're capable of, um, of sort of creating rules that will that will allow you to ha- to enjoy and have some and not overdo it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. I never went out to eat as a kid and as soon as I was kind of autonomous and had a car, I mostly ate only fast food, but the minute I started making money, I treated every meal basically as that celebration, uh, you know, and I would just go to whatever restaurant I was at. I would eat way too much. And and now it's very interesting because I don't like eating out now because I don't know what is in the food. Right. Um, And but I but, you know, I'll find places my wife really likes to eat out. My kids like to eat out. And so we'll have our places that we go. And I know, well, there's a fish that's not fried and that's probably safe. And I can get steamed spinach or something, something along those lines. You can figure it out. Right. Yeah. And you can work with you can work with the people there as well without seeming like one of those super high maintenance people. Where you're like, mm. um, you can go with them and be like, hey, you know what? I don't want added salt or I would prefer it to be, you know, steamed and not fried or, you know what I mean? Like you can you can ask them for certain things. It's something I did a lot with, you know, with my students when I would teach more is literally as New Yorkers, like teach them how to go out and order and order differently because that's that's the way that I do it. Right. How to order the proper Grace Papaya hot dog. 
Yes. Well, that one, you know what, you and I will write a book. We'll try to figure that out. We'll make, we'll make billions. It'll be great because I don't know if it's possible. (laughs) The healthiest fried egg sandwich. That's something we don't have out here. We don't have, we have one place that serves hot dogs and basically no good egg sandwich. But I mean, that's the thing. I associate every, every uh, geographical location with their food. And for me, New York will always be like the deli, the hot dogs, you know, the pizza, the pizza. Oh yeah. Joe's pizza is the best. I love it. Um, I think there's a picture of your husband in Joe's pizza. In fact, really? Yeah, he loves pizza. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit too about because, listen, I'm a dude, and so my perspective is very much a dude's perspective. I'm in a house full of women, and I am constantly confused by uh, the dynamics of that. And don't I can, won't lie and say that I understand it at all. But I think more and more, and the more people I talk to, certainly, uh, I find that it's very difficult to make any kind of a change, to set any kind of a new habit if if you're doing it out of a place of shame. And I don't want to say that shame has no place in society because I think if society has a bunch of morals that it agrees on and somebody is cons- consistently breaking those morals and then society could use shame to try to, as as almost a a form of uh, justice on that individual. But I think when we're dealing with something so personal where there can be no morals on how healthy you perceive me to be, it's kind of all within me. I think shame can really get in the way of being proactive and doing something right. You know, if you go to take a class in knitting and you go into it going, I'm, I'm a terrible knitter. I'll never be able to do this. I'm the worst. Like, what's the point of taking the class? Right. And I wonder what shame, how that's played for you. I, I, I can only imagine that somebody, anybody with eating disorders is dealing with a little bit of shame. Oh, a lot of, a lot of shame. I mean, I, I think shame is, I mean, again, everything from, from knitting to eating, as you point out. I mean, it's, and a lot of it is just nervousness of what other people are going to think. So when I started, when I started yoga, there was, uh, there was a, a yoga studio that was donation-based and it had just opened. And it was donation-based was perfectly in my price range because I had very, I didn't have a lot of money for to pay for yoga class. Um, and I walked, I had it in my hand. I put it in my, my, my school book bag and I had it in my hand and I walked by this place for like a week and I was so afraid to go in. And I was like, I've heard that yoga is really good for you. I'm totally struggling emotionally and I need to, you know, do something that, that is good for my soul. And eventually I got the courage to go in and take a class. And I put myself in the back and I was like, no one will see me at all. Which by the way, as a yoga teacher, the back, everybody sees you because half the time you're in downward facing dog and everybody sees you. (laughs) But also learning as a yoga teacher, nobody's really looking at you. Everybody's so focused on themselves and their their own nervousness or their own practice. They're really not looking around too much. Um, Unless you go there to like find dates and then maybe they are. But other than that, most people are not paying attention to you. And I was so afraid, but then I realized that this was an opportunity as the, as the teacher was talking, as people were breathing and moving, this was an opportunity to do something. And it wasn't about how it looked. It was about how it felt. And once I started realizing that, 
I really got out of, you know, my super self-consciousness and I got into a place of like, wow, this feels really good to move and breathe. And was I good at it? No, not particularly. But I kept on going back and I realized that it's a practice. That's another thing I love about yoga. It's called, that's a practice. You're never done. You're constantly practicing. I'm going to go do my yoga practice. And, you know, so if you want to be a knitter, I'm going to go do my knitting practice. I don't need to be an expert knitter. I can be a, you know, knitting practice. Anyway, so I, I think, you know, the other thing I tell people, students, when, when they'll start coming to me, you know, sometimes I'll say like, oh, who's new? And we'll like sort of chat and laugh at the beginning of the class. And I'll have like 70 people in my classes. So it's a lot of people, but you know, if you we realize that we're all dealing with the same stuff. So if you bring everybody together and you don't make it scary, it I feel like it calms everybody a little bit. And so I'll say, who's new? Who's really scared to take the class? And some people will raise their hand or sort of smirk or something like that. And I said, Well, the good news is that if you've never done this before, you've only done it a little bit, there's no reason you should be good at it. None whatsoever. So you get a free pass right now. So all you have to do is try a little bit. And you're going to do better than you've ever done because you've never done it before. And once I started realizing that as I took on as I took on yoga, I started getting that like everything's kind of like that. And you can play and be curious. And people who are really good at things, they're curious. You know, um, and Neil deGrasse Armstrong did, did my podcast, Mom Brain. And he talked about, he's like, I'm just a curious person. And I want to go out and I want to experiment and find answers. And that's all about like, we're all experimenting. We're all going out. We're all trying to figure it out. And once we start getting that and getting out of the, oh my God, I have to be perfect all the time or have to have this all figured out when there's really no reason you should have it all figured out because you don't have experience with it. Now, another thing with the shaming that I think is really important is we call there's, you know, there's the fat shaming and then there's the skinny shaming. And, you know, I'll, I definitely have had the, the, skin, the skinny shaming. And I feel so like, you know, I feel like we're all in one like big group, regardless of what your body looks like, because we all have the same kind of issues. And I think more about the issues that unites us rather than what actually looks like, you know, and I am, I am a small, I am a small person and I've had a lot of babies. And then afterwards out of, you know, exercise and eating healthfully, I, I, you know, I bounce back into shape. And then people will come after me. They'll say, say, you know, you're not eating, you're not this. And I say, I want to be like, if you only knew everything that I was dealing with in my life, you know, and you want to say these things to me. And it, and they used to hurt me. And now I realize that where they're coming from and they don't have a source of knowledge of really kind of having the compassion and understanding of where I am. But I think it's very important for people to start to realize that it really doesn't matter what you look like. You know, people will come out and be like, oh, you know, you shouldn't be so this way or you shouldn't be so that way. Ultimately, if you put good food into your body for the most part, doesn't mean I don't indulge. I mean, I love dessert. So you put good food in in your body for the most part and you move your body regularly and you treat your body with respect and check in mentally and take care of your soul, you're going to be great. It doesn't really matter what you look like because your body's going to morph into the shape that it should be. And I think that more people sort of get that. That's body positivity. It doesn't actually have a full, like a, an actual picture next to body positivity. Body positivity is just treating yourself really well. Right. Body positivity, it doesn't fall within the, 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 B, the body mass index. It, it, it has, it's kind of outside of that, right? Yes. Yes, 100%. 
Yeah. I mean, listen, in fairness, I'm at a very, very low body fat percentage right now, but well outside the body mass index because of the amount of muscle I carry at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so like I try to try to just do away with the societal norms and try to just figure out what's right for me and what makes me feel good. And I, I think that's all really great. I do. I do think it requires, you know, for if if it's day one for someone, and and obviously everybody's different. So if you if you're coming into your day one with five pounds to gain or five pounds to lose, then your day one may look like a bit different than what my day one was like. But it did take me quite a bit of time to get to the universe you're talking about, where. It's almost intuitive. It becomes intuitive where because I just didn't trust myself for a long time because I if 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 I just went, when am I full to me, full meant in in able to move from the couch, you know, that was full. And I think now I look more for when my body has enough energy. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's and that's a really big gift that you have Well, to start to really focus on your feeling rather than you're seeing in a reflection in a mirror yeah. that or in some clothes that some designer has made for you. That's the biggest gift ever. Because once you feel E coming says, the moment you feel you're nobody but yourself and to be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. Did you just quote E.E. E. Cummings? I did. I'm a yoga teacher. I have so many quotes in my head. You have no idea. But do you know that E.E. E. Cummings is my favorite poet? Stop. No. Way. I swear to God, I cannot believe you just quoted E.E. E. Cummings. That's amazing. <laughs> He's a good one. He's a good one. And that, I, I mean, I as that just tells you, like, as I was struggling and struggling and struggling, I would go to these wise teachers, these wise people that would say these things and I'd read them and I'd think about them and I try to apply them to my life. And then through that, I started to get the answers, you know, um, you know, the Rilke, what about Rilke? Rilke's you know, amazing. Now I, I beg of you to have patience with everything that's unresolved your heart. Skip, skip, skip and live the questions. Now, perhaps some, uh, someday far in the future, you'll live your way into the answer, something along those lines. And that's basically the idea is just like, try to get knowledge, try to get wisdom, try to feel. And then little by little, it all comes clear. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. 
Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. That's incredible. I want to ask you this too. Raising kids and the the issue I'm tr- I try to be sensitive to with raising kids is when I look at the landscape of uh, food availability in America, we have the biggest access to calories anyone has ever had in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And every corner is full of calories and we will never, you know, it would be impossible to starve today. Not that we couldn't. Mm-hmm come up with a scenario in the future. But as of today, people are not starving, but people are malnourished. And so I become sensitive because I I am a, a I do really believe in whole foods and healthy foods. I think there is something uh, inherently different between something with one ingredient and something with 30 ingredients. And I just want to know how, how what what the driving force is that gets you to um, lead your kids towards healthy eating. Because I run into that a lot where I'm like, no, we're buying vegetables and protein and whole grains and that's it. And then suddenly I'm seeing a bunch of other stuff come into the shopping cart. Now, my kids are older than yours, but I Mm -hmm. imagine that you're trying to teach those lessons now. Yeah, it's it's tricky. So the first thing that I wanted to do and I long before having kids, you know, when I really wanted to get over my eating disorder, I used to say, one of the biggest reasons that I want to fix this is because I don't want to pass it on to my kids. Because that's what most, most happens most of the time. You know, we get these habits from our parents. And so I was really, really driven to figure this out before I started the family. Um, so with that, I have a cup analogy that I talk to my students. So if your cup, you have a cup, and for me, who's, you know, been eating very healthily for a long time now, and I exercise regularly, I say you pour just a little bit of liquid in the cup. And I pour a little bit more every single day, but then I exercise and, you know, I eat well. And so it evaporates a little bit and it goes down to that kind of like base, you know, tiny little bit at the, at the bottom of the cup. Then you have somebody who is not very healthy um, in terms of that they eat too much. And, you know, the talk that you're talking about over calories and a lot of junk that they're putting in their body and their cup is all the way up to the very top. And so every single time you put more, it's up to capacity. Every single time you put more water in the cup, it's overflowing. And there isn't a lot of exercise and there isn't a lot of, you know, healthy eating that's going on. And it's just going over the top and over the top. And a lot of people live that way. That's when they have to go through a cleanse and bring it all the way down to a place that's manageable. Where, you know, for me, I can have treats. I can eat things that are processed foods sometimes. I don't have to be, you know, I don't have to drive myself crazy because most of the time, 90%, 95% of the food that I put, maybe even more than that, who knows, um, I put in my body is healthy and I'm moving most days of my life, you know, so I'm keeping myself at the base. That's what I'm trying to teach my kids. I don't want to teach them that they can't ever have pizza or like one of their favorite desserts. Every single night we have dessert. And I was very against that for the longest time. And my pediatrician said to me, she's like, Ilaria, your kids are going to probably have something sweet every single day. This is when I had just one kid. And I was like, oh, okay. And I started giving an in and 
And I, you know, I went with it and we get excited and we talk about like, whoa, what are we going to have for dessert tonight? And we talk about eating all of our good foods first so that it fills our body up and makes us strong and makes us be able to think and sleep and, you know, all the purposes of food. And then we get to really indulge. And one of their favorite things for dessert is Kinder Eggs. I don't know if you know what Kinder Eggs are. I don't know if I know what's inside Kinder Eggs because I've been afraid to read the package, but they love it. It comes with like this little toy. And for me, from like a plastics pollution perspective and from an a, a, like a nutritional thing, like both of them are not great, but I realize <laughs> it's a small part of life. We go and we try to like make up for it in other ways, but they really, really love it. And they get so excited for it. And that joy of having a little treat, they get. Now, if they've ever had an experience, we went to a birthday party and you know they're allowed to eat things that we don't typically eat at home. And if they get a tummy ache afterwards, we talk about why the tummy ache happened. Not that we shouldn't do that again. No, it's not like, oh my God, you should never do that again because look what happened. But it's more, you know, hey, so you went and you ate food that your body wasn't used to and it was too much. And this is the way that you feel. And no shame, no nothing. And I've been noticing that, you know, as they have practice with it and as they get older, my two older kids are like, you know what? I think I'm, I think I'm done with that because I don't want to get a tummy ache. I want to try some of it but not all of it. So it's teaching them moderation. It's not making them afraid of certain foods. My, my, um, my brother um, would teach his, um, has raised his son very healthfully. And my brother would teach my nephew that they're called tricky foods. And like all these foods, like, you know, like for example, you know, a, a, a sweet um, that is pretty packaging and it, it looks really fun and maybe comes with a toy and all these different kinds of things. So that's, it tricks you. And you want, think it's amazing. It tastes really good. But then once it goes inside, it breaks apart and it turns into all these different things. It's actually really bad for your body and makes you sick, especially if you eat too much of it. And so I kind of use that as well to, to talk to them. But at the same time, not making them afraid of, you know, going to the birthday party and having ice cream or, you know, having Kinder Egg or, or you know, candy from Halloween or any of these kinds of things, because I don't want to take away the actual joy of eating. And that's the tough part is to find the balance. Yeah. I mean, it, it is very tough because there, there can be, it can be an art form. Cooking can be artistic and beautiful and, and can make you feel so many sensations and it can be uh, joyful and uh, there has to be a balance. I think I failed miserably with my kids and I've been trying to make up for it ever since. But when I was first having kids, I was still really on rocky ground and trying to figure this out. And for the longest time, I just told them fast food is poison, actual mm -hmm. poison. And then, you know, cut to their like five years old and we're at a ski place and the ski place is a madhouse. And I finally get sick <laughs> of it and want to leave and I'm driving and they're turning into gremlins and they haven't eaten. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to feed them. What do I do? And I have no options but a McDonald's. And we pull in and they start crying. And I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? And they say, you're planning on poisoning us, you know? And so I've had to really work to try to fix that because it does. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. There, there must be some balance. And, and there's a, yeah, no, I mean, there has to be some balance. And it's also, you know, it's, it's all about, telling them the truth for the most part, you know, like you, we want, I agree with you. I think fast food food is poisonous. You know what I mean? Uh, but I also know that if you eat it once, it's not going to kill you. You know what I mean? And that's basically the message that I want to teach my kids. And, and even if like outside of the, the conversation of food and exercise and stuff like that, 
you know, I'll have these conversations with my kids when they, I have the opposite of you. I have a million boys. I have one girl and a million boys, it feels like. And, you know, they, um, they beat each other. They do. They really, really, I don't know what it's like to raise four girls, but I'm telling you, raising boys and they're, uh, my boys are within three years. So, you know, my, my baby is going to be two and my other ones are going to be three and four at the same time. They're really close together. I know super, super close together. And they just beat each other and I'll sit them dead. They're like literally drawing blood and biting each other and pulling out chunks of hair. I mean, it gets crazy. And I'm like a yoga teacher. I'm like, what is going on here? And then of course I look at my husband. I'm like, it's you. (laughs) Um, And I line them up and I had these like really like namaste conversations that I'm telling you, they understand maybe 2% of it. But I'm going to tell them the same message of we do not hurt. There's no harm. We do. We are. We talk it out. We use our words. I make them. They'll literally have to repeat to me and repeat the message to each other, looking at each other in the eye. I mean, these are the things that they'll probably go to therapy in the future. Like, mom, my mom. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm literally telling them the truth and giving them information that they may not get yet. But little by little, that information is going to start to sink in and it's going to become their foundation. And so the same thing goes with with the eating. Just tell them the truth and be like, yeah, hey, you know what? This isn't great for you. It's okay to have some of the time because our body is strong enough and capable of uh, enough of fighting off, you know, the bad stuff that's in it. And, you know, and it's just going to be like a treat. We're going to do it once, once in a while. And then we're going to go back and eating the way that we know keeps us healthy. Yeah, I, I, the boys thing, I just remember when my kids were younger and we would have boys over, I would think they were all complete psychotics because it is, it is very different boys and girls that I've seen, um, especially with kids. So hats off to you. I just have to deal with more like passive aggressive talks about pink and things like that. Is there anything tangible that you can talk about, about beating eating disorders that you have used in your life? Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing it's, is it's very possible. It's not, it's not impossible. And I, I think that's, I think having that hope when you feel so de- demoralized and so frustrated um, things that actually worked for me, and I, I started by going to typical talk therapy, which I think is great. But I could sit and talk to you and, and tell you I know that it's crazy that I would, you know, go and eat too much and then stick my fingers down my throat and vomit and then feel horrible about myself. And then the next day I would do it again. And you could tell me all about, you know, the the damage I was doing to my body and how my hair was falling out and breaking and my nails were weak. And, you know, I mean, and then I was miserable. Um, you, I, you, I, I knew, and I could sit down and look you straight in the eye and, you know, after you get over the crying part of, of therapy right at the beginning, I mean, you still cry sometimes, but like at the beginning, you have like the gush of like crying all the time. And then after that, I could just have a very like stoic conversation telling you, I know that I know this is really bad. Same thing with people smoking. People know that smoking kills you. They still smoke, you know? And so the question is, how can you make yourself stop? And so I read this book, Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine, which is about, uh, uses somatic experiencing. And there's a lot of great tools in many different places. You know, yoga helped me a lot. But it really got to the place where when you're doing a behavior that's not healthy for you, whether it's something with eating, whether it's smoking, shopping too much, sex addiction, any of these kinds of things, you're getting into a state where you can't help yourself. That's, that's the feeling. You can't help yourself and you're going to do something that's damaging and you do not, it's not in your best interest. It's not serving you. And so it's really about waking up in that moment when you black out or you white out and kind of like saying, no, I will not do this and making a conscious decision 
to close that pint of ice cream and put it away. You know what I mean? To to not go to the bathroom and stick your fingers in your mouth. You know, to when you're tapping the cigarette box to actually, you know what, tap it right over some far, somewhere very far away from you, maybe in the garbage, if that's what you choose. But it's really getting to a place when you're spiraling and you're getting into that, that place where addicts of some sort do, whether, you know, again, eating any of these other things, of saying, hey, you know what, I'm not doing it. And you know, I wrote this book called The Living Clearly Method, which um, has five principles that helped me. One was perspective. So, you know, being able to, when I wasn't in that state, especially starting of practicing, hey, having like the bigger picture of like, hey, I know tomorrow I'm going to feel really shitty about this. And I know that all the, all the stuff that you talk about in talk therapy. Then it goes to breathing where you start to control your breathing. Because a lot of times when we get into places where we're not in a good place, our breathing is affected and trying to regulate the breathing, which is going to regulate the heart rate, which is going to regulate the muscles, which is going to make us feel a lot better. And then you get, you find your, your grounding. So you find your feet, where are my feet or, you know, my legs crossed in a chair or my fingers in a ball or any kind of like contact. And once you find contact, you're present. So if you're not finding contact with your physical space, you're either, you're with your thoughts, whether they're before or after or what might be at some point, if you're nervous about something. And then finding your center. So go, literally going into your gut. And we have all these words, you know, phrases about trust your gut and trying to soften with your breath, your gut and feeling your gut, your center right over your feet or your body, however you're balanced. And then letting go and using your exhales and using all these senses to be able to release the energy that is not serving you from your body. And it was really like touch typing for me. You know, at the beginning, if you, I mean, I feel like these days kids like are born learning how to type, but like I had to sit up in a chair and they covered my hands and it was like A space, S space, T space, Q space. And then eventually you learn where those are. And then eventually you can make words, sentences, paragraphs, and then eventually thoughts come out of your hands. And it really is like that. It's all about that practice and knowing that you can do it. There's nothing particularly different about you than somebody else in terms of these these basic ways, I think, that we're wired. You know, I mean, unless that's something that you're having, you know, an experience with your doctor and you, you have that conversation with your doctor. But for the average person, we're all wired very similarly in terms of these things. We just, we just struggle in silence. And so you can get to a place where if you practice these things and you do it diligently, they become second nature. And it becomes, as we were talking about before, your habit, your pattern, your way of living your daily mantra. Um, and that's really, that's really what helped me was just kind of coming back into my space. Because no matter how I'd rationalize with myself or control my patterns of eating or what I was eating, it had nothing to do with that. And it really came down to that simplicity that we're talking about before of I'm, you know, I need to know what to put in my body, how much, when to stop, you know, I mean, all of these things, those, those were the things that I needed to learn. And once I did, I can make all sorts of decisions, you know? Yeah, but the the education in the beginning is super key. Yes. And and I love what you're saying. I love that your first principle is perspective too, because I think that quite a bit of this uh, becomes a habit thoughtlessly and then continues as a habit thoughtlessly. Even if we're trying in between uh, enacting the habit, we're trying to talk ourselves out of it without some understanding of what is creating the habit, it is really much harder to break it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, absolutely. One, one, 100 million percent. And then we can, we can actually change our perspectives on it and, and think our, think ourselves through it. I mean, that's amazing. 
Yeah. Those, no, those I mean, it's all, it's all very, very, very possible. And once, once you realize that, that possibility, it's, it starts to, you have hope. You know, we need hope. Like, I mean, I am that person where I will, you know, open the news just a couple times a day now. Normally I'm a news junkie and I'm reading and I'm just trying to find hope. And a lot of it feels so hopeless and it really affects our happiness. You know, everybody kind of feels heavy right now and somewhat depressed. And today I was reading that they're starting a vaccine trial in Germany and they might start doing it here in a week. And for me, who knows how that's going to pan out, but it's a little bit of hope. Sure. So, you know, as we're combating our, as we're combating our, our different issues, whatever it is, smoking this, that, just realize it's so possible and you're so worth it. Once I started to feel worth it, it got to be so much easier. Because then I was taking care of myself and just you as a father and me as a mother and, you know, your listeners as, as whoever they are in terms of taking care of somebody else in their life, whether it's a friend or a child or, you know, a, a parent, you know, feeling being taken care of by somebody who loves, loves you, you start to, to, to give a worth to something, a value to something. And I would never want my kids to suffer. And we have to start to feel that way about ourselves. Amazing. Eloria, thank you so much. I really Thank appreciate it. It was a, a wonderful talk. I, I agree. And and by the way, I'm not kidding. You quoted E.E. E. Cummings. That is super <laughs> impressive. I am a strange bag of many different tricks. <laughs> I love it. Amazing. Well, I really appreciate this. Thank you so much. All right. Take good care of yourself. Talk soon. We'll All do. right. Bye. Bye. And now for some Q&As. This is from Scott in Ireland. He says, I'm personally getting a lot out of it locked down in Ireland. I, like yourself, I've lost a lot of bad weight and the journey continues, but I still feel fat. Do you think if you have been massively overweight, it's always in your head like a total mind fuck? Thank you for your question, Scott. I think it gets, I think it definitely gets better, uh, but I, I completely empathize with what you're saying and I have that. Sure. I, I, uh. I am right now 13% body fat and looked in the mirror today and didn't feel great about myself. So that's pretty stupid. Um, and I know it's irrational and I, I had to continue looking at myself and what I do is find something about myself that I think looks okay. Once I pick that, I find something else and then, you know, it might take me a, a minute or two of doing that. And then I don't, and then I'm not so hard on myself anymore. I also look at what I've accomplished and uh, try to pat myself on the back a little bit. But, but yeah, I, I, I definitely have um, days where I feel like I've accomplished nothing. I have to realize that that is not true and kind of talk myself through it. Thank you for the question, Scott. If you have a question that you would like answered on the show, please submit it to AmericanGlutton.net. Thanks for listening to this episode of American Glutton. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. Mom 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.